Good morning. Welcome to Southwest Christian Church. We're so glad you are here with us this morning. Um, got a few things I want to share with you, what's happening um, here at Southwoods. If, number one, if, you know, again, I'm so glad you're here in person, if you're still making your way in, um, and or if you've already had a seat, don't forget to grab communion. Uh, we'll be doing that later in the worship service. And uh, also, if you're new here, um, or if you're not, um, there's still connect cards in the front. You can, you can put, actually... I was about to say you can put prayer requests and stuff on it, but they have a different thing for that coming up. And so you'll, you'll hear about that. But there's a connect card right there. And we'd love to get you plugged in so you can be getting more uh, info about midweek and things coming up. And speaking of that, let's go ahead and head into what's happening here at Southwoods. We have our reading plan we're doing right now in Ecclesiastes and, um, and another one coming up uh, in, over the book of Job. So those have been really great uh, for us to get to do that together. Even though we're all in different places, that's been really cool to see people's thoughts and how God speaks to him through his word because it's, you know, it's active and alive and it's different every single time you read it for every person. So that's been great. Um, check that out. I wanted to say, this is not like, this popped in my head, this is not like um, one of those, all I can think of was a, like a steroid drug where you have to take every single day of, the, you know, you have to take it until all the pills are gone. This is, I see it more like your vit- daily vitamin C. It's going to help you from getting sick. Um, and if you miss a day, what I'm trying to say is, get, or, or, miss, or you're, you haven't done any of this, and you're like, well, I don't, I guess I can't do Ecclesiastes because you've already started it. Just jump in, right? That's what God's word is about, is just to get in, and you don't have to do it every single day. So I want to encourage you to jump in no matter where you're at, um, dive into his word, um, meet God there. Um, he's given it to us for that reason. So we have those reading plans. Um, we have a text line um, to sign up for getting info uh, about announcements um, that are things happening, maybe just a reminder, reminders really, like we all forget so many things going on in the week, so about midweek and uh, other things happening here at Southwoods. Um, we also have a Spotify playlist, and uh, this has been really cool, just the, some of the songs we sing here at Southwoods uh, each morning, um, and they can just resonate with you throughout the week, and if you enjoy them, you can check that out. Um, all of this is on our website as well, and you can see, you can find that as well on the Connect card. Um, last couple things is next Sunday will be Daylight Savings. I believe it's coming on to spring, so we'll spring forward. Make sure you set your clocks, um, spring them forward. Do we lose an hour of sleep then? I don't, I think so. <laughs> but make sure you fix your clocks so that you're here. Uh, we can be in community with each, each other. And like I mentioned, we have midweek um, coming up as well at the end of, uh, of March on the 22nd. Um, come, let's be in community together and just uh, be fully devoted in every aspect of our life, um, every day of our life. Not just Wednesdays, not just Sundays, but it's a great way to reset in the middle of the week. So I encourage you to check that out. And uh, before we head into worship, um, you can stand, you can stay seated, and then we're going to stand and sing. But uh, I want you to, we're going to enter into a time of prayer, um, which is very fitting uh, as believers. That's what we should always be doing, but to our message. And so I encourage you just to be praying um, as we watch this video of prayer. Dear God, our hearts are broken for this world. The hatred is palpable, the division undeniable, and the pain runs deep. We desperately need more of you. We ask for your truth to be louder than the noise which surrounds us. For your mercy to be stronger than the voices of oppression 
for your strength to overpower those who seek to do harm. Where there is division, bring unity. Where there is anger, bring peace. Where there is evil, bring victory. Empower us to fulfill your mission, to answer your calling, to be the light you've created us to be. May your love, your grace, and your mercy flood this world. We love you. We seek you. We place our hope in the mighty name of Jesus. This we pray. Amen. Just stand and worship with us. Those are big prayers.
he's going to do great things. Amen.
bringing that as we pray to you. Thank you so much, God. Would you uh, turn and greet one another? And while you're doing that, we're going to throw up the different ways you can be given here at Southwoods in person, online, or by mail.
and to give him praise because he's doing great things and he's done great things and we know he's going to continue to do great things because our God is unchanging and that's just what he does. He's not a, he's not a small God um, and he does great things bringing people from death to life. We just thank him for that and give him all praise. Amen. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to sing one more song uh, and then we're going to head into a time of communion. And I can't think of a, a better, better prayer um, of, of adoration, song of adoration to God as we, as we talk about coming, coming before him for communion, but just coming to him in prayer. And that's about God's character of his faithfulness. So we're going to sing great is thy faithfulness, but I want to I share a couple things with you. I know, I know that I know that uh, some, of the, some, of the, some of these verses came to my mind um, about God's faithfulness, and I want to share them with you. Number one, in Lamentations, it talks about, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions are new every morning. His mercies are, his mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So as we sing that, I want you to, to listen for that. The other, the other thing that comes to mind is, is this, this passage in um, Philippians, and it talks about Paul saying, we can be confident that he who began a good work in us will carry it on or will be faithful to see it to the day of completion in Christ Jesus. So we know, we know that he is faithful, and I just want you to reflect on his his love and his mercies that are new every morning as we sing this out.
Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Glad that you made it today and uh, thrilled that you're here. If you're watching with us online, uh, live stream, we appreciate you joining in today and trust that this morning's service already has been a blessing, but that uh, as we look at scripture this morning, that will be as well. We pray for that. You know, on Monday night, January 2nd of this year, uh, many of you remember what was going on. The Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals are playing a pivotal game in the NFL playoff run for this year. Nine minutes into the close game, everything came to a screeching halt, though, if you remember. That's what took place. Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, after a routine tackle, stood up, and then he just collapsed. And immediately, everyone who saw it happen, by the way he fell, knew that more than just the wind had been knocked out of him. In a matter of minutes, emergency medical staff were delivering CPR. Teammates were strategically blocking the prying eyes of television cameras, and scores of shocked players and coaches and support staff were standing around wondering what to do next in total disbelief. And then suddenly, instinctively, we watched players and coaches and fans of both teams drop to their knees, and they started praying to God in the belief that maybe he could hear and heal and help. Bengals fan held up a hastily made sign for the TV audience. It said, pray for Buffalo, number three, Hamlin. Former quarterback Dan Orlovsky was discussing the events underway on the field with two other sports commentators, if you remember. If you were watching uh, live on ESPN, you saw this. To the shock and awe of many as he was talking about it, all of a sudden, Dan, live on camera, bowed his head and actually prayed out loud for DeMar, emergency responders, and so on. And when he finished his prayer, those of you who watched it, you remember that all three of them that were sitting at the counter said simultaneously, amen. They were all praying in that moment. It wasn't just Dan. It was just like all of them were praying in that moment. Well, two months have passed. And thankfully, DeMar Hamlin is alive and well. He's not been cleared yet to be able to play football uh, again. Uh, Probably will be, but it hasn't happened yet. But in the words of his doctor, he won the game of life. That's what his doctor said. He won the game of life. Now, some were truly surprised by that. Surprised that he survived what took place. Survived that he... Uh, got out of the hospital, survived that maybe he would, surprised that he would, would maybe perhaps uh, be able to play football again one of these days. But here's the thing, not all of us were surprised. And here's why. We know why, many of us. That's because God regularly hears and answers prayer. We understand that. There are those of us who know that to be true. Scripture tells us that. We see it in our own lives, those of us who pray. We're in a message series entitled The Prayers of Jesus, and today we're talking about answered prayer, uh, the glory of answered prayer. And i got to ask you, would you agree with me that nobody knows how to pray better than Jesus? That's a colossal duh question, right? Of course he knows how to pray better than anybody. Scripture tells us he's the great intercessor. That's what it tells us. So we've been learning in this series, the prayers of Jesus, how to pray a little better, how to pray a little more effectively. 
And uh, today we're going to learn from Jesus some important keys to experiencing answered prayer. My hope is that as we go through this, that you'll listen real close, uh, that you'll, uh, just to say, we all have a vested interest in absorbing what we're going to talk about this morning. Because every one of us has things going on in our lives where we need the intervention of God, where we're ready to drop to our knees because it's, it's got our attention. And uh, I hope that if you'll listen close this morning, I think Scripture will help us on the whole matter of experiencing answered prayer even more effectively. Open your Bible with me to John chapter 11. This is not what we would think of as a conventional prayer passage, but we're going to look at this, and I think you'll see why in a few moments. We're going to look at a pretty familiar event in Jesus' life and ministry. It took place only a couple of weeks, just maybe a week and a half, two weeks before his own death and resurrection. If you know uh, John 11, you know that this passage is about one of Jesus' close friends, Lazarus. He was sick. So the Bible tells us in John 11.3, that Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, his two sisters, sent a message to Jesus telling them, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. We don't know if the message was longer than that or not, but we know at least that was what was said. Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Now let's pause right there for a moment before we read on. And you have to understand before we read anything else, for these two sisters, Mary and Martha, This message to Jesus was not the equivalent of a push notification, okay? This is not information. Do you understand that as we read this? What are they doing? They're close friends of Jesus. They know who he is. I mean, they've got firm grasp of that. They understand he's the Messiah, God, clothed in flesh. They've seen his miracles. They've seen him. They're close friends. They've heard his teaching. They know his heart. What is this? This is the equivalent of a prayer, friends. That's what it is. And they're prevailing on their close, close friend to help. Lord, your dear friend is sick. They understand that close friends do what? Well, they look out for the well-being of close friends. So they're just sort of politely asking Jesus, and because of his stature and who he is, they're politely asking him to hear, to help, to heal. You have to see this. It It was for them prayer. It's what this moment was. The Bible goes on to tell us in verse 4 that when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness, he kind of looks at the, looked at the guys that are with him, the 12. He says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of Man, the Son of God, will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, the Bible goes on to tell us that he stayed where he was for the next two days. And finally, he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. Verse 17 continues and tells us, When Jesus arrived at Bethany, which was Lazarus' home, uh, a town, when he arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, the Bible tells us, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, She went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, 
if only you'd been here. If only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Now let's pause again. I don't want to spend too much time on this. But you and I need to understand that the Jews of Jesus' day predominantly, predominantly believed that the dead would one day be resurrected. There were those who didn't, the Sadducees, and the reason, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and you can remember who the Sadducees are because they were the ones who were sad, you see, because they did not believe that there was a resurrection, okay? You see, they were sad, you see, these little weird tricks that you try to keep them straight in your head. They were sad. But predominant, they were a very small group. I mean, they were a very small group. The majority were Pharisees and, and just followers of God. I mean, this is the majority of people. The majority of people believed that the dead would one, be re, one day be resurrected. Do you know why they believed that? They believed it because they'd read passages like Daniel chapter 12. They'd read Job chapter 19. They'd read Isaiah 26, 19, which says just one, of, one verse. I could read all of them, but just one says... Those who die in the Lord will live. Their bodies will rise again. Isaiah 26, 19 says, Their bodies will rise again. Those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy, for your life-giving light will fall like the dew on your people in the place of the dead. Fairly clear. So Mary, Martha, Lazarus, most of the people there, they believed that the dead would one day be resurrected. That was not Jesus' point. They already believed that. On this occasion, Jesus was revealing to them something about his own identity that people then were still processing, still trying to get their minds around. They were still discovering. So he says to them in John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus tells Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Jesus said. Do you believe this? Do you believe what Jesus is saying here? Well, Martha responded, verse 27, Yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Now think about this. When is she saying this? Her brother unexpectedly died, for, has been in the grave for four days. Okay? Jesus didn't show up on time. But she continues and says, Yes, Lord, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who's come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary, and she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher's here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. A few verses later, the Bible tells us, verse 32, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, it sounds like this is the refrain. They've been sharing this over and over, all of them. She says, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, the text says a deep anger welled up within him. 
He was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept, the scripture says. The shortest verse of scripture, you can memorize that verse. Jesus wept. This is when I was a kid and we were having to memorize scripture in certain settings. This was my favorite verse. I could memorize this. Jesus wept. The text continues, the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? I mean, there, there are always those who will be friendly toward you and always those who will be cynics and mock you regardless. Text continues, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside, and then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, now, here's the prayer. Here's Jesus' prayer, okay? So we've heard the sister's prayer, right? We heard that a few moments ago. Lord, your dear friend is sick. We've heard that one. Now we're hearing Jesus' prayer. Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the text says the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. And because everybody was paralyzed in just shock, he says to them, unwrap him. Let him go, because nobody knew what to do in that moment. Shouldn't surprise us. We'd have, be, we'd have been as shocked as they were. It was an unforgettable miracle that demonstrated the unparalleled power of God. But you have to understand it tells us a lot about prayer. This event tells us a lot about prayer. We're going to talk about some keys to experiencing answered prayer from this passage, some keys to experiencing the intervention of God in your life that show up in this passage. Some of the keys are really obvious, and you'll kind of talk about it, you'll go, oh, yeah, I see that. Uh, a couple more, though, are sort of veiled, so when I, I need to mention them. I need to draw your attention to them just to point them out. But I hope you'll listen close because I really think this can strengthen your prayer life. And you might even want to jot a note or two. Because a couple of things I'm going to say here are really important for us as we go through our journey of life, trying to figure out why sometimes prayers are answered, why sometimes they're not, and try to understand all of this. The first key to experiencing answered prayer that shows up in today's text is this. Emotional engagement in prayer is important. Emotional engagement is important. Here's the issue from God's perspective. When you're praying, do you care about your request enough to like actually get emotionally involved in it? 
You know, it's one thing, you know, to sit at our table, say, you know, with our t- you know, Thanksgiving meal with the table loaded with food, and we're praying, God, thank you for our food, and God appreciates that prayer. He values that prayer. It's a whole different thing if you're sitting at your table and there is no food, no food in the refrigerator, no food anywhere else. Do you pray a little differently? Yes. There's a little emotional engagement there, right? Deeper emotional engagement. On January 2nd, 23.8 million people were emotionally engaged in their prayers when DeMar Hamlin went down. Lots of people praying, and you watch those football players, you know, some of the scenes that we saw, I mean, they are weeping, and I mean, tough guys who, you know, barely even cry when they break limbs. But they were on their knees, tears streaming down their face, looking heavenward in total disarray. They were emotionally engaged. They truly cared about an answer. And when we look at today's text, Jesus you see, had absolutely no shortage of emotion either. If we had time, we'd break it all down. He was full of anger. He was full of compassion, as you look at the text. He's full of tears. There's weeping going on. He's full of faith, as you see what takes place here. He's even shouting at dead people. The text could have said, Lazarus, come on. He could, he could have done that, but no. It, he shouts at the dead man. There's Deep travail in his spirit going on here. Jesus' heart was engaged in his request of the Father, not just his head. It was was in here. We sometimes forget a practical principle that's important about prayer, and that is apathy weakens prayer. Passion strengthens it. That might be worth writing down and remembering, putting it near where you pray. Apathy weakens prayer. Passion strengthens it. That's why James 5.16 tells us this, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Some of the translations say not just words earnest, the fervent prayer. What's it talking about? When you and I are emotionally in our soul, when we're engaged in what it is that we're requesting of God, it does make a difference. It sets apart this prayer from this prayer. And it doesn't mean that God won't answer this prayer. But He notices if we're emotionally engaged in it all. So one of the keys to experiencing answered prayer is emotional engagement. We've got to put our heart into it and not just have a perfunctory list that we go through day in, oh, God, help this person get over cancer, I mean, help this person, where, where we're not emotionally engaged. Invest yourself in that. Put yourself in the place of the other person as you're praying. Get emotionally involved. Second key to experiencing answered prayer it shows up in today's text, is this. When you pray, just talk to God. Just talk to God. If you look again at Jesus' prayer in today's text, and you remember that Jesus 
is the great intercessor. I want you to notice how he prays, okay? He's the great intercessor. You remember? Nobody knows how to pray better than Jesus. He never fumbled the ball on one prayer, ever. He's praying and dead people are coming, coming back, okay? Blind people are seeing and deaf people are hearing, lame people are getting out. I mean, it's kind of like he can... So how does this work? John 11, verse 41 tells us, Jesus, listen to his prayer, looks up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. The truth is that to some of us, that doesn't even sound like a prayer, does it? That's not what you think of as a prayer. Because we don't think the same way Jesus does. Here's why. Jesus' prayer here was a brief, faith-filled conversation with the Father. He was just talking to Him. He was talking to Him. And his actual request, he made it as a declaration of what he wanted the Father to do, what he wanted to see happen. What's he want to see happen? Lazarus, come out. That's what he wants to see happen. Now, this is a different way of thinking about prayer than we typically think of it, but the lesson is this. Prayers that get answered here don't always have to be lengthy. They don't have to be overly religious in tone. They need to be faith-filled and earnest. you got to put your heart into it. And we learn something else about Jesus' prayer here. Silent prayer is as powerful as spoken prayer. Now, I know some of you are thinking, where is that? Where is that in the text? Look again at verse 42. Jesus is praying, and he says to the Father, you always hear me. How often does God hear him? Always. You always hear me, but I said it, what's he say? Out loud. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Do you, do you track with what, it, what the implication of that is? Apparently, in this instance, Jesus chose to pray out loud instead of silently for the benefit of his listeners, for the benefit of the people who are standing around. Which means this, silent prayer is as powerful as a spoken prayer, which is good news for those of us who are nervous about praying in public. Silent prayer is as powerful as a spoken prayer. But there are clearly occasions when a spoken prayer, when we look at the text, is beneficial. So it's important that we all learn to do both. It's fine if you want to pray silently. Learn to pray out loud, though. There are times when God will use your out loud prayer to bless someone else. And if you just settle for a private prayer life, you cut off what God can do through your life and the life of someone else. God will use you. 
to pray for and benefit others in this way. We've got to learn to do both. And here's why it's difficult for us to do both sometimes. Because we forget that we're basically talking to God. We make it a whole bunch of religious-sounding jargon, and when at its heart, prayer is more a conversation, a faith-filled conversation, asking God to do what you can't or what someone else needs done. The third key to experiencing answered prayer that shows up in today's text is this, and, and this is Relevant to every one of us, every single one of us, regardless of where you're experiencing answered prayer. If we're going to experience it, we need to respect God's timing. We need to respect God's timing in His response. You see, the glory of an answered prayer has everything to do with the timing of God's response. I need you to think with me about this. We, we think in sound bites and just like real, and, and it's even worse in our culture today. I really need you to think with me here. So, so try to block out everything else and just hang with me for the next moment. Would Jesus and the Father have been glorified if Jesus had simply healed Lazarus when he first heard that he was sick? Answer? Jesus and the Father would have been glorified. Here's why. Because it's a good thing. He healed blind people. He healed lame people. He did all this stuff. It was a good thing. Of course God would have been glorified. Of course Jesus would have, would have been recognized for being an amazing prophet. Maybe even thought of as the Messiah still. But here's the issue. Did the Father receive more glory or less because Lazarus was raised from the dead? More. I know you're scared to answer, but more. Think about this. He received more glory. More glory. Which is harder? Heal a blind eye, raise a dead man. Duh, raise somebody from the dead. We have doctors that can help blind people, right? No doctors figured out how to raise the dead yet. It's harder. It's harder. Jesus, the Father, received more glory by Lazarus being raised from the dead. And hear me, on top of that, a larger group of people had their faith expanded, and it was a prophetic foreshadowing of what was going to happen to Jesus himself roughly two weeks after this event took place. And further, God knew that this event would one day be recorded in Scripture, so 2,000 years later, your faith and my faith would be established and strengthened. Four reasons. And I got a little finite brain to figure this stuff out. Could Mary, Martha, Lazarus, the crowd present on that day, those who were sympathetic to his compassion, those who mocked him for not intervening sooner, could all of those people have ever imagined in their wildest imagination that all four of those things would take place? 
by waiting two days longer where Jesus was and then making his journey back. If Jesus had tried really, 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 really hard to explain all of that to them, are they going to get it? Of course not. Of course not. Here's what's important. It's no different for you. It's no different for me. There are things going on in our world in the unseen realm as well as the seen realm that you and I have absolutely no clue about. Some things we understand. The truth is, we understand enough to be dangerous. And what we understand can sometimes lead us to conclude that God should have done this or should not have done this. Some of us respond kind of mercifully, oh, look how he loves him. Some of us respond, well, he should have done this. When the truth is, God's timing and reasons for answering prayer or not answering prayer is beyond the capacity for our finite minds to fully grasp and understand. This side of heaven, there are things we will not understand no matter how smart we are, no matter how much of this book we fully understand. So part of our faith development is choosing to trust in God's goodness and compassion even when we don't fully understand what he's up to. We have to come to the place in our spirit where we can say, I don't know why he waited there for two days, but I know he loves us, and he's good, and I still believe that he could bring good out of this. I'm not telling you this is easy. But I'm telling you it's the faith of Martha in the text. Four days after her brother dies, Jesus hadn't intervened. She still humbly says in John eleven twenty seven, 27, Yes, Lord. She told him, I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is to come into the world from God. She's essentially saying, I, I still believe. I still believe. Earlier in verse 22, she, she says, I still know that God will give you whatever you ask for. God answers prayer. There's no question about that. But you and I have to be careful of telling God how and when he should do it We've got to respect his timing and understand that there are things going on in our lives and the lives of people who are important to us beyond the scope of our ability to grasp. And that doesn't mean that God's not good. But sometimes it means that he could explain it to us and we still wouldn't get it right now. Right now. Finally, the fourth key to experiencing answered prayer shows up in today's text is that we need to remember firmly in our minds, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for Him. 
He can make a blind person see. He can make a dead person live. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's the one who spoke, and there was light, and it was good. He can do anything. And ultimately, I think that's really what he wants us to focus on, not the exceptions, the rare exceptions when he doesn't do what we ask. Human nature has a tendency to kind of go, well, yeah, yeah, I know God answers prayer, but what about, you know, this one instance or this other instance or whatever, we kind of pile together a couple of these instances and we can't make sense of it, and so then we just... Throw it off. You can choose that path if you want. The path of life, the path of blessing, the path that God made you for is a path that recognizes that he can answer prayer and nothing is impossible for him. So we need to ask. We need to ask. Just talk to him. Probably as you came in today, you noticed that there's those cards and pens sitting on your chair as you came in. Maybe you noticed the little prayer wall back here on the side of the auditorium today. We want to give you an opportunity today for the next few days to just practice this. It's really what we want to do from now really through Easter is kind of what we're, we're doing at least that long. If it's used enough, maybe we can figure out a place to way to do it longer. But the piece of paper and the pen is there with the idea that you can jot a prayer need, a request of God. And you can do it anonymously. You don't have to write your name there. Um, if you want to write your name, you can too. That's okay. But um, take that card, make a request on it, and then you can stop back by the, uh, the corkboard wall back here on this side of the auditorium after service, and you can pin your request on the wall and you can look over the other requests that are on the board and take one. So it's like, leave one, take one. You with me? The, the idea of what we've got in mind here? And here's my encouragement to you. If in the next few weeks you have a breakthrough of some sort, you have an answered prayer to uh, the need that you pinned on the wall, or maybe as you're praying for something you, because you know the person's name or something happens... If you see God intervene in some way, our encouragement to you is email us. Let us know. I mean, this is wonderful. You know, don't do what sometimes happens. You come up and you tell me, okay, oh, this happened. And it's like three minutes before the service begins, and there's no way on the planet I'm going to remember that. You know, just none, because I can't, all I can think about is like, I've got to talk to that. You know, it's like I'm in that zone. You know what I'm saying? So it's like email us. Let us know. Give us a way so that we can remember these things and capture some of them because God receives glory in answered prayer. He just does. Jesus says, did I not tell you that God will be glorified if you just believe? That's what Jesus told Mary and Martha. And friends, he's saying it to you and me too. 
God will be glorified if we will engage in prayer. So I hope that you'll take that card, use it for that purpose, pin it on the wall. If you've already used it for, you know, like taking copious notes of my message this morning, <laughs> I understand. That's okay. Just grab one nearby and preferably not out of the hand of your neighbor. Uh, but, you know, grab one from a seat nearby and um, hope you'll pin it on that wall. Let's stand together. We're going to close in prayer this morning. And as we pray, I just encourage you, if you've never invited Jesus into your heart and life, today, friends, needs to be the day. Just look heavenward and invite Jesus to be your Savior, your Lord, to cleanse you, to fill you with His Spirit. If you've never been baptized, as Scripture teaches you, we want to help you with that. Let us know. I mean, let us know, and we'll help you figure that out right away. Um, maybe you need personal prayer. you got something going on in your life, you just like a, you don't want something pinned on a board, you you want somebody to pray specifically for it. We're happy to do that as we, we wrap up here. But I hope you'll take advantage of the, the prayer board this morning, okay? Let's bow our heads. We'll pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every, everyone within the sound of my voice. I know that uh, lots and lots of good things going on in life and difficult things and circumstances in the course of our lives that we don't understand, times when... Maybe you haven't intervened in the way that, uh, that we would, would wish or understand. We thank you for the faith of Martha and Mary. We thank you for giving sight to their faith by resurrecting Lazarus. We praise you for that. And we thank you for the promise that the day is coming when all the dead in Christ will be resurrected. We, we long for that day, Lord Jesus, the day of your blessed return. May it come soon, Lord. Lord, our request as well is that you'll help us to just learn to talk to you, Father. Help us learn how to do that. Help us to put our heart into our prayers. And help us to remember that there is absolutely nothing that is impossible for you. Nothing. And would you bring glory to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, to the church. Would you bring glory to your kingdom and your name by answering the prayers that we bring to you? And we thank you that our faith will be strengthened in the process and lives will be blessed because of the things that you've done. As we leave this place, Father, would you go with us? Would you strengthen us? Would you help us to walk in your ways? Would you help us to be lights in dark places and encourage people around us and Invite people to a place where there's water, spiritual water and food uh, because it's in desperate need in our day. So help us to be, be a part of that. We'll give you credit for everything good that happens. This is our prayer, and we lift it together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you all.